everyone and welcome back to The Dating Games. We're here to help you navigate the complex world of modern dating. In this episode, we're going to be talking about setting boundaries and most importantly, emotional detachment, all made possible by Primal Productions. And with that, let's begin. Emotional detachment. Damien. What do we think about this topic? Uh, it's tough. It's, well, yeah, it's, it's very tough, but it's definitely a tool that needs to be in everyone's arsenal. Yeah. Because breakups are tough and learning how to deal with a breakup and like having that emotional detachment tool in your arsenal definitely helps with a breakup. Yeah. So emotional detachment, I feel like um, it's very hard to just be someone who can emotionally detached without at some point in your life having been overly attached. It's not like attachment is a bad thing, but there's a a point where it gets to being bad for you or toxic when it consumes you. So I guess this episode and speaking about like how to master emotional detachment is all about helping someone that's maybe gone through a breakup and they're still completely caught up in this person and what they're doing 24-7 and they're still chatting to them. Or there's another side of the coin where it's like maybe you're actually in a relationship or beginning a situationship and you feel like you're becoming overly attached and reliant too soon. So when it comes to emotional detachment, I mean, it can mean a few different things, but we're speaking about it from the perspective of boundary setting. So building and maintaining boundaries that are going to preserve your mental health, but also I think I I always say this, but like your soul so that your soul isn't getting like confused as to what you truly stand for. We're going to make sure by the end of this episode, you know how to set clear boundaries in your relationship right now or the aftermath of our relationship. Yeah, I think like setting those boundaries, you're kind of almost creating like a safety net for yourself. It's like any good relationship starts off with a foundation and even if everything comes crumbling down, if that foundation is still there and solid and that's what these boundaries actually are. Yeah. Um, And we're not saying like you're preempting a breakup. I don't think anybody does that if you're starting a relationship or situationship, whatever it may be. But you need to be able to give yourself the tools and be the best version of yourself. So if things do hit the fan if things do come crumbling down for whatever reason whether it's their side your side mutual that you're dealing with it the best way that you can and it's not having a real depth like you know detrimental effect on you physically or emotionally so i think as well when it comes to emotional detachment it's important to remind people that like you're not being rude by like emotionally detaching from someone if it's what you need to do for your mental health it's not your fault if they take it up the wrong way. So I think like often in relationships, and we're going to go through the signs that you might need to emotionally detach and then steps in a second. But Mm -hmm. I think often in relationships, you can, you can nearly be afraid to let go of someone because you're so used to their comfort. Um, But it's actually hurting you more in the process to continue having contact with them. Um, Sorry, I mean in a breakup, not in a relationship. So let's say you've broken up and what usually happens when two people say goodbye, whether you're ending something that was like three years long or three weeks long, someone ends up more hurt than the other because it's usually been someone's decision 
to end it more than the other, right? Yeah, of course. One of my favourite songs is by a country artist called Drake Milligan and he has a song called Hearts Don't Break Even and it's literally about two people breaking up but one person is always more hurt than the other. So, yeah. Yeah, nail on the head. And that's where, you know, even last night I had a conversation with someone about this where they were like, well, do you know, I'm just like... Whoever I meet, I want it to be like open. We're going to communicate. I know that I just want someone who can like spend time with me. That's good company when I'm free. And if that doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If they want to date someone, they can date someone. If I want to date someone, I can date someone. And I'm like, hold on. How can you say you're going to end up friends at the end of this if you end up dating someone or she ends up dating someone? Because someone's going to become emotionally detached. And I think it might be slightly like a deceiving way to to put yourself forward to someone saying that mm. like, you know what, we, we're, whatever happens, we're going to stay friends. I think that's very difficult to actually see through because someone often gets emotionally attached. So why is it so difficult to detach from someone that like we love or we were heavily involved with? Um, God, I mean, that's like a million dollar question, isn't it? Mm. Because if we knew that, it would be an easy fix. Um, it's very hard to come up with a solution when, you know, you don't know the, the root cause of the problem. I think, like, if you love someone, if you're in love with them, you give them a part of your soul. You give yeah. them a part of who you are. And when that ends, for whatever reason it does, um you're trying to build yourself back up, but there is a piece of you missing because you've given it away, especially if it's a long-term relationship. For example, I turned on my iPad yesterday because um, I moved into a new apartment and I was setting up Disney Plus on the, on, the As you do. on the TV. And I opened up my iPad and I had a screenshot of the logins on the iPad. So I was scroll, scrolling way back to find the, uh, the screenshot and I came across loads of photos of me and my ex. And even though we're, broken up months and months and um, I was like oh god <laughs> I was like don't cry <laughs> just just delete them and even deleting them was tough even deleting them yeah. off uh, off of my iPad was like I was like do I keep them do I not keep them and I was like no, you have to delete them because you know it's not that it's not a nice feeling looking at them and mm -hmm. um, you get to look back on those memories but it like it just doesn't make like, I feel that I'm moved on. I feel that uh, hopefully she's moved on. We don't have contact with each other, but I'm sure she's doing fine. Like, but I think you have to go cold turkey. Yeah. I think you have to delete everything. Otherwise, you're holding on to it or you're holding out hope. You can hold on to these memories mentally without having all like the physical reminders or the like in the cloud reminders when you scroll through your camera roll. First thing yeah. I did when things ended with the last boy I was serious with, I mean, the first thing, like I got home from the talk. I sat in the car and I did not get out until I had every single photo of him <laughs> deleted from my phone and then deleted from my deleted albums. Like, this just I just need it gone. I need to emotionally detach. And that was one really big step. And it's also the easiest one, in, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Because it's delete, delete. Physically, you can do it, but mentally, it takes a little bit longer. Mentally, it takes longer. Um, and I, th I think even mentally, you probably never actually delete those things. Like, there's... I was in a six-year relationship. There's memories that I've created over those six years that will be with me for as long as I live. But that doesn't stop me from moving on. This is where I feel like a fraud on the Dating Games podcast because the longest relationship I've had is a year. I don't know what that says about me. Is it because I 
can't emotionally attach. Who knows, right? <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you're like, do I maybe need to detach from someone? What is emotional attachment? Am I someone who gets emotionally attached easily? So we did a bit of research onto like some of the signs that you need to detach or do the work on yourself so that you don't become as attached in the future. And number one, and I really relate to this, was noticing that a disproportionate amount of your mental and emotional energy is being depleted when you focus on what they're doing, saying, thinking or feeling. And I think a lot of people will relate to that. Um, I know that I definitely do. And now if it happens when I'm getting to know someone, I try and like nip it in the bud. I'm like, hold on, I'm getting, I'm getting on with my day. Why am I spending so much time mentally thinking about what they're doing with their day? Have they read my message yet? Are they thinking about me? Are they thinking about the last time we met up? Are they planning the next date? When they're probably not thinking about it at all. That's, yeah, okay, if you like someone, you're thinking about them and all that jazz. But there's a difference between, I think, emotion, emotional attachment thinking versus like a healthy support way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. I hope you're having a good day, but you don't have to give me all the details. Just... Yeah. yeah, there's, you know, when it comes to emotional attachment, I think it's really important to preface this with it's not a bad thing to be an emotional person. I mean, it's one of the attachment styles. People are going to be emotionally attached, but there is a healthy level and an unhealthy level. Mm. And that's where these are the signs that it's probably unhealthy for you if it's taking up a disproportionate amount of space in your, in your brain. If you feel overwhelmingly drained or emotionally like just sucked into their behavior. And again, I think that happened to me before. You tend to push the behavior underneath the mat mm -hmm. because you're like, oh, but this is who they were or this is who I know they can be or this is who you've romanticized them up to be when they're actually not that person at all. So their behavior is actually really draining you because you're like, I don't know, for example, well, he just got a message on his phone. So who's that from? But you know what? It doesn't matter because it's probably a friend. But oh my God, what if it's not a friend? And should I think about this further? And should I ask him? Or should I ask a friend? Or should I go to his followers? There's your mental energy being completely mm -hmm. depleted. Um, give us another sign there, Damien. Um, I always look at it. Um, we talk about social battery all the time because mm. we obviously don't live very close and we have to actually try make time to, to see each other. Mm -hmm. And one of the benefits of this podcast is that we get to see each other more. Um, the camera just caught me doing a little wink there. Yeah. Oh, caught me around the feels. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I think in, in terms of like um, that depletion, um, if if you're sitting in someone's company and you're thinking about them leaving, if you're thinking about being somewhere else, if you're thinking the second they leave, you take a deep breath and a sigh and you think, thank God for that. That's when you need to figure out why you're being depleted. As you said, if it's like a text on the phone, then you're mentally deep diving into that and you're worried about hypotheticals and everything else like that. Yeah. Or or is it something else? Like, are you, are you like uh, a quiet person when you watch a movie? You're like, you sit in silence and you watch the movie. Are they scrolling on IMDb telling you all the trivia? It's like, oh my God, did you know the length of the Titanic is the exact amount of time that it took the ship to sink? And you're like, yeah, I'm trying to watch the movie. Is that depleting to you? Like, you need to figure out what sort of um, energy exchange is, is being happening. It is happening. Um, and then that's when you can set boundaries. You can communicate that and be like... Stop holding on to the person you're romanticizing versus the person that they are. Yeah, absolutely. I think another sign that you'd that you may need to work on your detachment and emotionally detach is if certain issues in the relationship feel stuck. And that is like a really good example of one. So if you have brought up something that you found to be an issue and it wasn't like heard in a 
like respectful way and there's no way forward and this issue is still there and they're not working on ensuring you feel better about it, you need to emotional, emotionally detach because it's going nowhere, you're stuck. Another sign, if you assume the worst in their behavior. And that's something that I've done in the past. So let's say you're driving the car right now, you're cooking the dinner and you're like, oh my God, you know, when he posts an Instagram story being on a night out and all I see is a drink, who's he with? I bet he's out with another girl. I bet he's meeting up with the girl he was with before me. Or maybe he's still on Tinder and Hinge and he's hidden his profile from me. And this is why I need to like, you know, quiz him more or look into his history or just go absolute like FBI on his ass. Like (laughs) you don't. I think that's a sign that you need to emotionally detach because he could be out for a drink with his sister. And then I think another sign, obviously, and I'll probably finish with this one, is that being around them, although this is the definition of toxic, it's like you want to constantly be around them and you only feel calm and like at peace when you're with them. But it's also unhealthy being with them because you're in your head a lot. You're questioning everything they say to you and how deeply they feel about you. Or there's lots of bickering back and forth. Like in a toxic relationship, that's the perfect example of where you both need to emotionally detach. Look, all this easier said than done because when you step away from them, you also feel anxious because you're not with them. But you know why you feel anxious? If you feel anxious without them and with them, it's because you don't trust them. When yeah. you're in their company, you know what they're doing. You can trust them. You can you can really like try and read the situation because you're in their physical presence. When you're not, I suppose that's a different story. Yeah, I think like I, th- I think so. Like if you're worried about what they're doing when you're not around, that's when you need to have a conversation um, with both yourself and your partner, and then you need to emotionally detach. Yeah, your gut never lies, and if you're bringing mm-hmm. up, look, these are the signs that we think you need to emotionally detach. But like, obviously, before doing that, like if you're sitting there going, oh my God, tick, 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 that's me. I'm just going to absolutely disconnect from this person I was seeing. Always remember those three pillars of every relationship, which is honesty, communication, and respect. So if you give those, you communicate how you're feeling and then these still stand. Now it's time to emotionally detach. So let's dive into these steps. The first step to emotionally detaching from someone that I think has probably helped both of us, Damien, Mm -hmm. and it has to be done as hard as it is. Yeah, um, detaching from things that remind you of them. Um, So whether that be like, you know, photos on your phone or uh, something. Like discarding these things. Yeah. Delete, um, gone. Delete, gone. um, And like go into the Google Drive, go into the iCloud, get rid of them all. Every single megaboy. Um. And again, like that's not being rude and it's not discarding the memories. It's just discarding something that is a little bit more physical that, you know, stores up emotion and prevents you from moving on in a healthy Mm -hmm. way. Um, And then also from actual physical, tangible things, whether it be like a gift that they gave you or something that, you know, you went on a holiday together and you have a rock from the beach or something like that. Just put it back on the beach. Whatever it is. You literally just described a situation in my life. Like, <laughs> stop. I got rid of the rock, but I didn't want to. I studied geology. <laughs> we'll get you a new rock. Yeah, won't be the same. Anyway, um, I agree with you there. And you know what? I know we're talking about discarding the things that remind you of them. Okay, to help you just emotionally detach. But I think what's also important is 
the places and the things and the songs that remind you of them. You know, like maybe it's when you are stopping by your favorite coffee shop and there's a certain treat that they used to always get. Mm. Or it comes up in conversation that like someone absolutely hates, I don't know, cheesy Doritos. And you're like, oh, well, he hated cheesy Doritos too. Like when all these things happen and you have these penny dropping moments like, oh, this was our song or we went to see him in concert together or that was his favorite treat or he did that too. You have to, in that moment, be so self-aware of your thoughts and now start to associate new memories, new feelings with these moments. So now, you know, when you hear that song, no, this is no longer the song that we used to play in the car. This is the song that I loved before him and I can love after him. And right now I'm creating a new memory. This is me like driving down the M50 or O'Connor's Pass and Dingle or wherever it is. And I'm owning this moment and this song is mine again. That cheesy Dorito, that's mine again. Like yeah. whatever it is. I think it's really important to make those new memories in the places that you once associated with them as well. Yeah. And even better if you're like making them with like uh, family, friends or yourself. Of course. Go skydiving with your Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. Here's one for you, right? Before we go on to the next step. So I last night was on Amazon. I was ordering earplugs don't ask me I started sleeping with them once upon a time and now I can't sleep without them I could be in the middle of the desert where it's silent and I need earplugs and I was ordering a running vest for my phone um, and you know what was in my basket this is going to make oh, a laugh here we right? go. and if he ever listens to it so I thought I was being really cute <laughs> this is actually I can't I thought I was being really cute because he told me oh god no we need to go and stuff together he told me that um he like always kept toothpicks in the car, right? And why did I stay with him for longer after this? I don't know. But like he would always like pick at his teeth after we'd go for food. When I say this out loud, I'm like, oh my God. So I was like, you know what? He needs to get rid of those wooden toothpicks. And the next order I do on Amazon, I'm going to I'm gonna get him like those really fancy metal ones because that's a really cute thing to do and it's so thoughtful. And it's been months since things ended with said boy. I say boy, because he was a boy, not a man. Um, I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I go onto Amazon last night. I totally forgot about this. And like that, I guess it was like going through your camera roll and finding a picture that reminds you of them. I'm going through my Amazon basket and finding some metal toothpicks. And it reminded me of them. But you know what? I was like, okay, yeah. You left this for a reason. Like you were going to get the boy metal toothpicks. Anyway, that's an aside. Nobody's ever bought me metal toothpicks. I'm just going to put it out there. If they do, run because they shouldn't. <laughs> They're too emotionally attached. Okay, step number two, Damien. Acknowledge and accept the reasons. Okay, so as in the reasons why it ended. The reasons why it ended, the reasons why you feel it may be um, heading in that direction or like we said, um, some of the, you know, potential, um, don't want to say red, like potential red flags, you could, we could probably call them red flags that we mentioned early on in the episode. If you see a few of them kind of cropping up or if you're listening to this and a few of them tick those boxes, we need to acknowledge why why they're happening and the reasons yeah. they're happening. And then, you know, if you're if you're in a relationship listening to this, this is how we can potentially prevent it from ending. Um, or if a relationship has ended, this is how we can deal with it slightly better. I think when you're trying to get over someone, it's a tale as old as time that someone runs back. Um, and it's 
often that person that has um, more of an emotional reliance or attachment on the other. Um, and what's sad is the person who maybe isn't as attached will just take them back to get that short-term attention hit and like validation hit and maybe sexual hit and then let them go again. Um, so I think this happens way too often because people don't do just this. They don't acknowledge the reasons and like accept the reasons as to why it ended in the first place. And they need to go back in those moments and remind themselves of why this person hurt them, how they hurt them, why you walked away. Because I think we've all been there where you've gone through a breakup or I always say this and I think it's because I've been in so many situationships that weren't relationships that I'm like, are situationship ending? Mm-hmm. But either way, um, you think about messaging them again. Just out of nowhere. It's a moment of weakness and you got to stop and acknowledge and accept these reasons or just react into their story, hoping that they'll send you back a message being like, well, how are you keeping? Stop. Don't do it. Mute the stories. Yeah, or unfollow them. Just don't, unfollow. just just don't be following them. Um, I unfollowed said boy. Good. About the two pics. No, but like a long time ago and he obviously didn't realize until literally a week ago. And you know when someone hits um, unfollow, he must have been in such a tizzy <laughs> when he went onto my page, he hit like unfollow, follow, unfollow. Oh, so you got the notification. So I got the notification saying he followed me. Anyway. A silly boy. So step number three, when it comes to helping you to emotionally detach and look, going through these steps, it's easier said than done. Like we're sitting here explaining these so that we can help you through a tough time. But that doesn't mean it's just going to be easy and it's like a handbook and you take them as you go. Yes, discard all of the things that you that remind you of them. It's not going to be easy. Yes, acknowledge the reasons more. It's not going to be easy. Third thing, don't bottle up your emotions. Just do not do it. You are not weak for, for maybe not seeing who they truly were. You're not weak for being upset. You're human and to be human and to feel the lows as much as the highs is an absolute blessing and it makes you stronger. But like, look, m- mental health is what it is for a reason and there's so many campaigns out there to tell you to open up more for a reason because people don't do it and when you don't it's tough um so like look detachment it brings a string of exhausting emotions like when I was trying to detach from people in my past I was probably more tired like like my whole body was was so tired and heavy and drained and I might have done nothing but sit all that day I could go and do two intense hit classes and feel more energized than I would after trying to deal with emotional attachment. So yeah, it brings all of these exhausting emotions. And I think that it's really important that you share these with people. Otherwise, like the regret, the anger, the denial, it's all going to build up. Anything that's like uncomfortable inside builds up and you got to release it and you Uh can't release it on your own. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you don't feel comfortable speaking to somebody about it, because I mean, from a man's perspective, it's one thing that we are really bad at. We're really bad at reaching out to people to talk about our emotions, especially when it comes to something like this, because it's very much like bro culture Mm. to be like, yeah, you know, just go out and get another girl, bro. Um, And that is just the most unhealthy thing to do. At all, because you're just going to damage that poor girl, and you're not going to, and you're not going to do yourself any favors either. And I think all females will agree with me in saying it is the most attractive thing in the world to come across a guy that's really emotionally deep and like open to being vulnerable with you, and not trying to put on this hardy exterior that like 
the dating game seems to have like, you know, told them that they need to have. Yeah, I agree completely. And, you know, sometimes that comes down to respect for yourself and then respect for others that kind of caveats back to the acknowledgement and accepting you talked about not reaching out to an ex. So even if things ended on completely okay terms and then you get that moment of weakness, you need to be able to reflect on that and think like, I actually owe that person the respect to leave them alone. Yeah. And if you're feeling that way, that's when you go to a friend and be like, here, I'm not bottling this up. Yeah. Talk it through with me. And look, one thing that I always say, I've said this about so many different topics before. When you want to speak about a problem that's like bothering you, um, anything to do with your mental health, you know, be that what we're speaking about here, like a breakup or getting over someone or anything else. I think you shouldn't go to someone if you wouldn't want to walk in their shoes because the advice they're going to give you, I just, I've had this experience in the past. It may actually sometimes make things worse. And some of our, our friends and our family mean the absolute utmost. But I do think you need to be cautious in who you share your hurt with so that you get the advice and the love that actually serves you. Um, for example, and I know like if my mom is listening, she'll be okay with me saying this. I don't think she'll be listening. Mm. But like when I was upset over my skin, um, I came back to her and they'd always say like, stop crying, you know, come on, get over it. Like, but they mean that from the best place. Like, you know, you're grand, don't be crying. And at one day I got so like angry and emotional. I was like, stop telling me to stop crying because I need to cry. I need to feel. And look, that was an older generational mindset. And ever since then, I run straight to my mom when anything goes wrong. No matter who it is I'm trying to get over or what it is that's bothering me. And she's just like, cry, let it out. And it's helped me so much. So that's one thing when it comes to not bottling up your emotions. When you're trying to emotionally detach from someone, make sure you're sharing your hurt or your feelings with someone who like you would actually walk in their shoes as well. Because you want to be able to take on their advice like for real. But also not bottling up your emotions, it can be done in a physical way, right? So you can take Absolutely. up like a kickboxing class. You can go to like an art class. Maybe you want to like learn a new instrument or something. I do think you can release these emotions in a different way if verbally you're not there yet. I do think verbally is key, but I understand that not everyone's ready to do that. So I think a kickboxing class, something like that would be a good way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, it's you see so much of it on, online where you see someone get over a relationship and then they get into the best shape of their life. And that's not because, you know, that that was their their goal was to be in great shape. It's because that's how they're coping. Mm. It's how they're coping with their emotions. They're like piling it into something that they seem a much more healthy kind of uh, escapism it's, almost. It's funny you say this. You start me off now on another <laughs> podcast episode, but like when I say I was in a relationship for a year, and I'm so happy to share this like with the listeners if it helps someone. But like that, um, I just went all in on the gym after this breakup. You know, I was 21 and I was like, I am doing me. Um, and did I get in the best shape of my life because of it? Yes. Um, how and ever, I do think that's a bit of a gray area where you have to be careful. Because, I mean, people who follow me know this. You can get consumed with the aesthetics and the... Um, I suppose, surface level side of things and just becoming completely obsessed with what you look like, which I did for a time. Now, I still love my training, um, but I've had to completely re 
align and reset my relationship with fitness and my body because a breakup was what set, sent me so deep into it. Um, you, oh, you set boundaries in your relationship with fitness. Yeah, you, you done you done all this yes, with hey. a with a fitness relationship. Emotionally detached from the fitness. <laughs> But I will say, when I'm in the gym, right, you know that people have those moments where between sets you're like, whatever it is you're doing, I don't know. But what I'm doing is I'm contemplating like in a good way, in what I think is like serving me emotionally way. All the boys that did me wrong. And I'm like, you know what? This extra chin up. This Boy one. This is for you. Boy two. Yeah. Boy three. <laughs> okay. So step number, what are we on? Step number four. When it comes to emotional detachment, reconnect with the things and the people that made you happy. Yeah, I could not agree more. Um, it doesn't matter if you have like one friend or 50 friends. Um, reach out. Reach out. I think often people get caught up in relationships and lose their friends. They can lose the depth of their relationships with their family. Um, and you know what? That's okay. You don't need to feel guilty about it. We've all been there. But a true friend is going to be there to help you pick up the pieces regardless and um, connect with them again and make the effort to truly, deeply build a relationship that serves you. Like, honestly, over the last couple of months, I didn't realize I could have such, I'm smiling so much just thinking about it. I didn't realize I could have such deep, emotional, fun relationships with friends and with family. But it's like, I've been doing just this. I've been working on emotional detachment and it's made me realize how deep relationships with friends and family can be because I've stopped just searching for it in a significant other. And I think also when it comes to reconnecting with things, you know, I suppose that was the people aspect, but reconnecting with things that make you happy. Is it nature? Is it surfing? Did you play the piano as a child? And you're like, do you know what? I want to take it up again. It doesn't matter if you're 37. You can still do it. Is it... I don't know. Is it the gym because you haven't been in a while because they didn't like it? Is it hiking because they didn't like it? I think it's really important to set that time aside to connect with the things and the people that make you happy. Yeah. And I would also like to just caveat on that. If you're in a relationship and these things are your passions and your partner doesn't like them, do them anyway. Mm. Make time for yourself. And that is a, that is boundary setting in itself. Um, and it'll make your relationship happier. Have your thing and he can have his thing or her thing separate from your relationship. And that makes it healthy as well. So um, if you have lost them, reconnect with them. Um, but try not lose them would be my advice there. Yeah. And then I'm going to go on to, you know, we've spoken about finding support from loved ones. So I guess that is, it's a reason in itself, but we've kind of touched on it already. So I'm going to move on to finding support in yourself. Being kind to yourself. We hear that time and time again, but I just feel like people don't take heed of it enough. And when you're trying to get over someone, the degree of self-awareness that is needed to stop those negative thoughts is immense. And it's not something that you wake up with. And it's something that you have to work on every single day. Being kind to yourself is something that you need to work on every single day. Oh my gosh, I need to look up. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I oh, need my to, gush. oh my gosh. There's a new one for you. <laughs> Hashtag oh my gosh. Gush. Um, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> no, <laughs> reel it back. <laughs> oh, stop. Anyway, um, I think that like there's so many things that have helped me work on being kinder to myself that I wouldn't have done only for I was at such a low place with a heartbreak in the past. Meditation and journaling. Now, we hear these things time and time again, 
I don't honestly keep it up every single day. And I think that's where when I heard people say in the past, look, be kind to yourself, do some more meditation, do some yoga, do some journaling. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to drink my vitamins, I need to have 10 minutes to journal and then I need to have another 10 minutes to meditate. So I need to set my alarm half an hour earlier. Too much, too much. But when I'm going through a patch where my negative thoughts are spiraling a little bit, then I'll meditate more and I'll journal again. And this is where I was going to say, oh my gosh, the statistic, it's something like 80 to 90,000 thoughts a day that we have. And such a huge percentage of those are just wired to be negative. Your brain is wired to go to the negative. Like physiologically, that's what it tends to do. When you realize that, it helps being kind to yourself. It it gets easier to be kind to yourself because you have a negative thought and you're like, hold on, this is not just me being a negative. It's my physiological being. So let's work on switching and flipping that thought. So being kind to yourself, it's like you go to the gym and you train a muscle. You need to train your brain the same way. You got to work on stopping those negative thoughts from taking over and flipping it to be the positive. Just like you do work on getting your squat from a bodyweight squat to one with a 40 kg barbell. You can tell I'm like relating it back to something that I know so well. Or maybe for you, Damien, it's like, you know, the first time you ever used a camera to then using like a real high end spec camera and getting like sick content from it. It's like you got to be willing to put in the work on your, how your brain works and your thought process and your self-awareness as to how much you do in the gym or in work to climb the career ladder or whatever it is. And the way you do that, it's meditation and mindfulness. I hate to tell you, but you got to do it. Yeah. And on the other side of that, so I'm someone that's really, really bad at meditating. And I went to a workshop. It was like Abraham Hicks. So if anybody knows all that kind of uh, spirituality, law of attraction sort of stuff, they'll know who that is. And she said one sentence. It was over two days. And it's like four hours each day or something like that. So it's quite intense. And wow. she said, um, if you can't meditate, appreciate Nice. Um, and that was something that stuck with me because I mm. really struggle to meditate because I really struggle to like um, relax my mind because like you, you said, like an average of 90,000 thoughts, I would say mine is like 900 million gazillion thoughts. My yeah. brain is like always on fire all the time. So for me, if I can like journal and more appreciate the good things in my life, you know, like my relationship with my sister, my relationship with my close friends, my relationship with you, my relationship with myself that I'm constantly working on. Um, that's all the appreciation factor. So if there's negative thoughts kind of creeping in, it's the appreciation over meditation just because I'm really bad at it. So if you are bad at meditating, don't be harsh on yourself. Just focus on the good things in your life. And that is being kind to yourself. That is, it's like, I guess that's mindfulness in a sense. Mm. And it's one or the other, like mindfulness can be this moment right here where we are just so aware of everything around us, you know, like that plant in the corner, that sound, you sniffing, my elbows touching the wood, like all these, that's a mindful moment, you know. Um, Another step that I think is really important to share with you is that there is no timeline for healing from a breakup. Don't compare yourself to, well, number one, the other person or to like a friend or family member that's overcome a breakup because everyone feels at different levels. And depending on the level of the, boundary you could put up or like the depth of that boundary I think if you're not very good at at setting boundaries just yet you know you will be well then it's going to take you a little bit longer to emotionally detach from someone again the same person I was chatting to last night was like god like you know I've been single now for like that must be a year like I just I haven't 
spoke to anyone that haven't been able, like what is wrong with me? And I was like, nothing is wrong with you. There is no timeline for healing or emotional detachment. There's no day where you just wake up and you instantly choose to forget everything that has happened and hurt you. Honestly, and this isn't a bad thing, you're never going to forget it. You're going to get reminders daily. But every day that passes, if you get a little flashback as to all the hurt, every day that passes, you also build a little bit more strength because you're overcoming it. So now I, and let's say them, and this is what I said to them as well, just look at how much stronger you are now. Without this time, you wouldn't be where you are now. And so many people are lacking the self-awareness and strength that you have because they're afraid to take that time to do the healing. And you did. So healing from a breakup, getting over someone, it has no timeline. And do not try and rush it because I truly believe if you try and rush something and make it happen when it's not meant to, the universe just won't let it. No, like there is that old cliche, you know, like time heals all. Um, I mean, it, it is. The reason it's a cliche is because it's true. But time is relevant. You know, mm. um, we all experience time at different different rates, you know. So, you know, my healing time is going to be different to your healing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be the same going back to like the, the gym because if anybody didn't notice I'm back in the gym. Um, He's only been talking about it every day for the last, how, how long are you back? <clears throat> three days. Three days. <laughs> anyway. But, Looking swole. But going, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but going back to um, like using the gym as like a, a, a metaphor, um, if two people join the gym at the same time, uh, one person might progress quicker than the other. Uh, and it's the same if two people break up literally the exact same style of relationship, the exact same time, one person might get over it sooner than the other person. So don't be harsh on yourself, please. Yeah. Because it just takes time. It takes time. And I know you said time is relative. But I also think healing is relative. So I'm going to be a bit of a devil's advocate here and say time heals all. I think it's like a BS statement. I don't think, I think time heals. Full stop. Hmm, interesting. You say? I, th- I think you're right, but I do think time alone can't heal. You need to put in the work. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can't just be like. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. You, you, can't, you can't just sit back and be like, kick up the legs and be like, okay. I'll play PlayStation for six months and then I'll get better. Yeah. doesn't work like that. No, it does not work like that. No. Okay, so emotional detachment. Um, it takes time. And I think we've gone through the signs. We've gone through the steps. Like discard the things that remind you of them. Acknowledge and accept the reasons that you left in the first place. Be kind to yourself. Stop bottling up your emotions. Reconnect with the things and the people that make you happy. Find support from loved ones and just like like stop holding out hope. Give yourself that time to rediscover who you are and remember it's human to feel like you gotta sit in like the pain and the hurt and it's going to make you, it's character building, it's going to make you so much stronger as a result. Um, They're the main steps and like I said, easier said than done but come back to this episode when you need to and listen to those steps again and ask yourself, look, which of these steps can I work on today? You know, I think sometimes we like think, oh, these are the steps as to how to live your best life and this is how to manifest and you're like, I got to tick the boxes. Take one, take one, focus on that, baby steps, you're going to get there. You're going to detach and continue to work on your boundary building. Now, I know we said at the beginning of this episode, Damien, it's not just about detaching from 
you know, an ex or a breakup. There's also like other ways to maybe set boundaries or detach even when you're in a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I think we touched on it very, very briefly as as we kind of caveated through some of those steps. So I think like um, detaching does not always mean completely ending things, separating things. I mean, there's a healthy level of detachment. We, we kind of um, negated that as an, an overall kind of tone for this entire episode where you need to be able to be like a good, healthy um, balance to where you're the best version of yourself and this person is not depleting that in any way, shape or form. You're not losing friends, families, hobbies, any of those things. So I think, let's say you start seeing somebody doesn't matter how quick it is, if it's three weeks, three months, whatever it is, um, and it starts to feel a little intense. You're texting each other all day, every day. You may have a phone call every day. You may FaceTime every day. You may mm-hmm. see each other every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and as adults, that's quite difficult because we have jobs, we have lives, we have hobbies. And this is where it comes from. Are you quitting your football team to spend time with this girl? Is she quitting her dance classes to spend time with you? Are you not going to the gym as often as you would because you want to spend time with each other? whatever it may be. Um, yeah, and, that's a really good point. And what effect is that having uh, on you as, as an actual person? And that does in turn have an impact on your relationship because one of you guys is going to feel that this is going light speed. Mm. And there's one or two things that happen. You either let it go light speed and then she hits the fan mm-hmm. or you pull back. Yeah. And if you pull back and that person reacts to that, that's when you need to have a conversation about like, you don't have to say we're spending a lot of time together. I think we should, you know, nip this in the bud. Just make plans outside of your relationship with that person. And Um, also keep your plans for you. Like the way you said about like the gym. Of course I go back to the gym. But like, um, I, I was asked before, do you know, you're free to do something this evening? And I was like, Oh, I have been, I'm at the laptop all day. I really want to get a gym session in. But maybe I just won't because, I mean, they're free tonight. But I knew that would negatively impact me. And I was like, hold on. Yes, everyone has to like give and take a little bit in the process of getting to know someone. But I'm not giving up what it is that makes me happy. Because this is where in the past I would have been completely boundaries down. If someone's mm-hmm. free, oh my God, yeah, let's do something. But no. I got to go to the gym, so I'm free at eight o'clock. I'm not free before that. And yeah, that's all good. So you shouldn't be afraid to like speak up for yourself and set those boundaries. Because like you said, Damien, look, if someone reacts to you doing that, you got to talk about it. But if they don't react and they're like, yeah, cool. I'll see you after. Yeah, then it's great. It's easy. And um, Would you say that that's more of a, a, I don't know. Do you think females can't put up boundaries? Like as much as males can or like if I rephrase that do you think males are better at putting up boundaries I don't know because I'm not inside the male mind Um, tell us tell us Damien are men just impeccable at putting up boundaries because we always talk about female getting too attached I think this may sound really harsh on, on, on any male followers and maybe this is me you know, the work that I've put into myself to become a little bit kind of self-aware and the boundaries that I've set and me knowing what I'm willing to accept from a potential partner. I think, especially early on, I think uh, it's easy for men to be detached or seem that way because unless things start to progress down the line and they really feel this is becoming a relationship, generally they don't, they don't care. Yeah. 
So it's easier for them to be like, oh yeah, I'll see her when I see her. Uh, and I don't, I don't mean to be saying like he's probably texting other people or whatever else. Because, you know, like that whole meme thing, like, oh, you're the only girl that I'm texting. And then, you know, that that whole thing is is a thing. Um, so I think that's probably why men are a little better at setting boundaries because they appear as boundaries. But what it actually is, is that very early on, they, they just, they're just not attached yet. Yeah. It takes us a little <laughs> bit more to be attached to, to, to somebody. So someone just takes more time. Interesting. I yeah. know everyone is different, but it's always, I mean, that's the fun of the Dating Games podcast. We can get the insight of both. And if there's ever a question that comes into your mind that you feel like the male specimen have been wondering about females, and like, you know, hit me with it. Hit me with it. I may or may not tell you. You know, it's top secret what we yeah, got going on. Yeah, well, I mean, because like for me personally, I'll, I'll know after date one or two if I'm into this girl, if I see anything progressing. Nah, I'm, look, we have to catch up on some stuff that's been going on in your life and I think you're wrong there because yeah. you said that to me before. Yeah. I think, I think I'll, I'll think I'll know. <laughs> I think I'll know. After three. Um, after three. Three. I'll give you three. Three we'll strikes in a row. Three strikes. <laughs> no, I think I'll know if it has potential. Yeah. I'll think I'll know if it has potential um, and then I'll kind of nip it in the bud early if it doesn't and then if it if I feel it does, I'll, I'll let it roll out. Yeah. Uh, but we, we keep our eyes open for our red flags. This is true. Well, look, guys, it's been fun. Um, I really hope, we really hope that this episode speaking all about emotional detachment and how to master it, how to set those boundaries, knowing the signs going through the steps helps you whether you are in a relationship right now or you're just getting to know someone or whether you're trying to get over someone. The aim of the game here is always to help you. And we welcome your feedback to our Instagram DMs at all times. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, be sure to rate it, subscribe, keep your eyes peeled for the dating games events coming soon. And I guess we'll catch them next time, Damien. Yes, we will see you in the next one. Bye.